Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. A series of unfortunate events. How come the, the, the song on the show says look away, not like a series of unfortunate look, events? Look away, look away. A sa- a s- any stable person shall I watch and they will say look away. No, I know, but like why doesn't it say a series of unfortunate events, fortunate events? Like it's- it doesn't say anything. No, look away, like, it has, like, like say, like, Democles Doc. Democles Doc? Sure, same thing. Oh, is it called Democles? How do you say it? Um, Democles. It's really in the movie, it says Democles? No, it says Democles. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, Democles and, it is. And, um, like they would have said, the Baudelaire's are trapped in Captain Chan's hands or something like that. Yeah. And then it says, look away? Yeah. Really? Oh, I gotta watch. After this, after we read all these books, which I feel like is gonna take ten fling fling in years, we'll watch all the series together. I'm gonna sit and watch them with you so I can actually, like, realize, like, all the words that I didn't know and everything that I pronounced incorrectly. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. You can't fall asleep, though. Even though I'm the one yawning. You can't fall asleep. (laughs) Okay. We're on book nine. Book the ninth. The carnivorous carnival. Or, as Haley would say, the the cannibal carnival. (laughs) Chapter seven. What are you doing here, please? Madame Lulu snarled. She strode quickly towards them, her own eyes glaring angrily at the eye as she was wearing uh, as the eye she was wearing around her neck. What are you freaks doing in the tent, please? And what are you freaks doing under the table, please? And please answer this instant, please, or you will be very, very sorry, please. Thank you. The Baudelaire orphan. Very sorry, please. Thank you. The Baudelaire orphans looked up at the fake fortune teller, and a strange thing happened. No, no, no. Please answer me, please. Thank you, please, thank you. Rather than squawking with fear or crying in horror or huddling together, Lulu shrieked at them. Uh, uh, blah, blah, blah. Lulu shrieked at them. The three children stood resolute, a phrase here which means they did not become frightened at all. Now that they knew that Madame Lulu was a machine or a... Used a machine on her ceiling and an archival library under the table to disguise herself as a magical and mysterious person. It was as if every frightening thing about about her had melted away, and she just, she just want, she was just a woman with an odd accent and a bad temper who had a crucial information about the, that the Baudelaire's needed. As Madame Lulu carried on, Violet, Klaus, and Sunny watched her without, without a terrified thought in their head. Madame Lulu yelled and yelled, but the children felt just as angry as Lulu was at them. 
How dare you please enter the tent without permission of Madame Lulu? Madame Lulu cried. I am the boss of Caligari Carnival, please, and you must obey my every single moment your freakish of your freakish lives. Please, I have never seen. Please, the freaks who are so ungrateful to Madame Lulu. You are the worst of the troubles, please. By now, Lulu reached the table and saw the pile of broken glass which sparkled over the floor. You are the breakers of the crystal ball, she bellowed the dirty fingernails of the Baudelaire's pointing oh pointing a dirty finger at the bottle ew her fingers are dirty ew you should be ashamed of your freaky selves the crystal ball is very valuable please and having them it has magical flower flowers pow whoa I can't I can't read magical powers fraud Sunny cried this crystal ball wasn't magical Violet said angrily it was as, it was plain glass, and you're not a real fortune teller either. We analyzed your lighting device, and we found the archival library. That's, that is one big disguise, Klaus said, gesturing to the tent. You're the one who should be ashamed of yourself. Plit, Miss Madame Lulu said, but she shut her mouth before she could finish the word. She looked down at the Baudelaire's, and her eyes grew very wide. She sat down on the chair and lay her head down on the next to the crystal ball and began to cry. I am ashamed of myself, she said with an accent, unaccented voice. Oh, she doesn't even have an accent? Oh, criminy. With a flick of her wrist, she unraveled the turban and her long blonde hair fell down around her tear-stained face. I'm utterly ashamed of myself, she said, tears through, said, blah, 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 through her tears and her shoulders shook with sobs. The Baudelaire's looked at one another and then the quaking woman sat next sat near them. It is hard for decent people to stay angry with somebody who who has burst into tears, which is why it is often a good idea to burst into tears if a decent person is yelling at you. The three children watched as Madame Lulu cried and cried, pausing only to wipe her eyes with the sleeves, and they could not help but feel a little sad too, even if their anger continued. Madame Lulu, Violet said firmly, although not as firmly as she would have liked to. Why did you? Oh, Madame Lulu cried at the sound of her name. Don't call me that. She reached up her neck and yanked the cord that held her eye around her neck and it broke with a snap. She dropped it to the ground where it lie amid the pieces of shattered glass while, sh while she went sobbing. My name's Olivia, she said in a with a shuddering, shuddering sigh. I'm not Madame Lulu and I'm not a fortune teller. Why are you pretending to be those things, Klaus said. Why are you wearing a disguise? Why are you helping Count Olaf? I try to help everyone, Olivia said sadly. Sadly, my motto is give people what they want, and that's what I'm here. That's why I'm here at a carnival, to pretend to be a fortune teller and to tell many people whatever they want to hear. If Count Olaf is or one of his henchmen steps inside and asks where the Baudelaire's are, I tell them. If Jacques Snicket or another volunteer steps inside and asks me if his brother is alive, I'll tell him. See, it's their uncle. No. The snake, it's their uncle. No. Oh, because the snake, it brother. Okay, yeah, yeah. The Baudelaire's felt so many questions tripping inside of them as they could scarcely order to shake the talcum powder from their hair and rub their faces so that their disguise, their scars would disappear. <sighs> I'm not really Beverly... Ugh. I'm not really Beverly, Violet said, and this is my brother. And this is not my other head. That's not Chavo, the baby wolf. She's, 
I know who she is, Olivia said, looking at them. I know who all of you are. You're the Baudelaire's. Yes, Klaus said, and he and his sister smiled. It felt as if they'd become 100 years since somebody had called them the Baudelaire's by their proper names. When Olivia recognized them, it was as if they were finally themselves again. Oh, and then in the uh, newspaper, mm-hmm. it's probably going to say the Butterwares. I know, right? Finally themselves again instead of carnival freaks or other fake identities. Yes, Klaus said again. We're the Baudelaire's. Three of them, anyways. We're not sure, but we think that we may that there may be a fourth. We think that one of our parents may be alive. Not sure, asked Olivia. Isn't the answer in the Snicket file? Well, we just have the last page of the Snicket file, Klaus said, and pulled the 13th page out of his pocket. We're trying to find the rest of it before Olaf does. But the last page, is, the, but the last page says that there may be a survivor of the fire. Did you know if that's true? I have no idea, Olivia admitted. I've been looking for the Snicket file myself. Every time I see a piece of paper blow by, I chase after it to see if it's one of the pages. But you told Count Olaf that none of your that one of her parents is alive, Violet said, and they think that they're hiding in Mount Mortman. How do you, what do you say that Mortman Mountain? Um, yeah. Mortmain Mountain. I'm sorry. The names of stuff that they say in here are just crazy. It. W- I was just guessing. Olivia said, "If one of your parents has survived, although that's probably although though that's probably where they'd be, somewhere in Mortain Mountain." is one of the last surviving headquarters of VFD. But you know that, of course. We don't know that. We don't even know what VFD stands for, Klaus said. Then how did you learn to disguise yourselves, Olivia asked in astonishment. You used all three phases of VFD. Training veiled faces disguises with your fake scars, various finery disguises with the clothing you wore, and the fake fakery disguises with the different voices you used. Now I think now that I think of it, you're even using disguises that look like things in my disguise kit. Olivia stood up and walked over to the trunk of the corner. Taking a key out of her pocket, she unlocked it and began to to go through its con- contents. The siblings watched as she lifted an assortment of things out of the trunk. All of the three children recognized. First, she removed a wig that looked like one of Count Olaf that he one that Count Olaf had used when he was pretending to be a woman, surely. Then a fake wooden leg that he had used to be part of his Captain Sham disguise. She removed a pair of pots that Olaf's bald associate had used when the children were living in Paltryville, and a motorcycle helmet that looked identical to the one Esme had had used to disguise herself as a police officer. Finally, Olivia held up a shirt with fancy ruffles over it, exactly like the one that lie at the Baudelaire's feet. You see, she said, this is the same shirt that you two are wearing. Well, we got it from Count Olaf's trunk, Violet said. That makes sense, Violet, uh, Olivia replied. All of the volunteers have the same disguise kit. There are people using these disguises all over the world, trying to bring Count Olaf to justice. What? Sunny asked. I'm confused too, Klaus said. We're all confused, Olivia. What is VFD? Sometimes, sometimes it seems like they're good people and sometimes it seems like they're bad people. It's not that simple as, as that, Olivia said. She took a surgical mask out of the trunk and held it in her hand. The items in this disguise kit are just things. Are just things, Baudelaire's. You can use them to help people or to harm people. And many of them do both. 
Sometimes it's hard to know which disguise to use or which ones you put on. I don't understand, Violet said. Some people are like those lions Olaf brought. Some people are like those islands, lions that Olaf brought here, Olivia said. They start out by being good people, but before they know it, they've become something else. Those lions used to be noble creatures. A friend of mine trained them to, to smell smoke, which is a very helpful thing in our work. But now Count Olaf is denying them food and hitting them with a whip. And tomorrow they'll probably devour one of the freaks. The world is a harm, uh, harem scarum place. What does harem scarum mean, Pepe? Do they say that in the movie? Harem, Sunny asked. It's a complicated and confusing thing, explained Olivia. They say that long ago it was simple and quiet, but that might be a legend. There was a schism in VFD, a big, a great big fight between many of the members, and since then it's been hard for me to know what to do. I never thought I'd be the sort of person who helps villains, but now I do. Haven't you found yourself doing something you never thought you'd do? I guess so, Klaus said. It turned... It and turned to his sisters. Remember when we stole those keys from Hal at the Library of Records? I never thought I'd be a thief. Flynn, Sonny said, which meant something like, and I never thought that I'd become a violent person, but I engaged in a sword fight with Dr. Orwell. We've all done things that we never thought we'd do, said Violet, but we always had good intentions. Everyone thinks that they have good... Uh, everyone thinks that they have a good reason, Olivia said. <laughs> Count Olaf thinks... That getting a fortune is a good reason to slaughter you, Esme. Squalor thinks that being Olaf's girlfriend is a good reason to join his trope. And when I told Count Olaf... Troop. Well, it's T-R-O-U-P-E. But okay. And when I told Count Olaf where to find you, he had a great reason because my motto is give people what they want. Dubious, Sunny said. Sunny's not sure if that's a good reason, Violet translated. I must say that you, <laughs> that I agree with you here. You've carried a lot of grief with a grief, Olivia, to people, to a lot of people, just so you can give Count Olaf what he wanted. Olivia nodded and tears appeared in her eyes once more. I know, she said miserably. I'm ashamed of myself, but I don't know what else to do. You could stop help, helping Count Olaf, Klaus said, and help us instead. You could tell us everything that you know about VFD, and you could take us to more Mort Main Mountain to see if our parents are really alive. Oh, I don't know, Olivia said. I've behaved so badly for so long, but maybe I could change. She stood up straight and, and looked sadly around the darkened tent. I used to be a noble person, she said. Do you think I could be noble again? I don't know, Klaus said. Well, let's find out. We could leave together right now and head north. But how? Olivia asked. We don't have a car or a minivan or four horses or a large slingshot or any other way to get uh, to get out of the hinderlands. Violet retied the ribbon in her hair and looked up at the ceiling and thought, Olivia, she said finally, do the carts on the roller coaster still work? The carts, Olivia repeated, sort of. The wheels move and there's small engines in each car. I think the engines have rusted away though. I think that I could rebuild the engine using your lightning, your lightning device, Violet said. After all, that piece of rubber is a bit like a fan belt, Olivia finished. That's a good idea, Violet. I'll sneak out of the road. I'll sneak to the roller coaster tonight, Violet said, and get to work. We'll leave in the morning before anyone gets up. Better not do it tonight, Olivia said. 
Count Olaf and his henchmen are always lurking around at night. It had better it it'd be better to leave in the afternoon when everyone is at the house of freaks. You can put the you can put the invention together first thing in the morning when Olaf will be here asking the crystal ball about you. Well, what will you do then? Klaus asked. I have a spare crystal ball, Olivia answered. That isn't the first one that's been broken. That's not what I mean, Klaus said. I mean, you won't tell Count Olaf that we're here at the carnival, will you? Olivia paused for a moment and shook her head. No, she said, but that did not. But she did not sound very sure. Promise, Sunny asked. Olivia looked down at the youngest Baudelaire for a long time without answering. Yes, she finally said in a quiet voice. I promise, if you guys promise to take you with me to find VFD. We promise, Violet said, and her siblings nodded in agreement. Now, let's get, let's start at the beginning. What does VFD stand for? Madam Lulu called a scratchy voice from outside the tent. The Baudelaire's looked at one another in dismay as Count Olaf called the fake name of the woman beside them. Madam Lulu, where are you? I am in the fortune-telling tent, my Olaf, Olivia replied, slipping into her accent easily, as easily as the Baudelaire's could slip into their ruffled shirt. But do not come in, please. I am doing a secret witch roll with my crystal ball of mine. Well, hurry up, Olaf said grumpily. The pit is done, and I am very thirsty. Come pour us all some wine. Just one minute, my Olaf, Olivia said, reaching down to grab the material for her turban. Why don't, why don't you... Be taking a shower, please. You must be sweaty from... Oh, you. why don't you be taking a shower, please? You must be sweaty from the pit dragging, dip from the pit digging, and when you are done, we will all be having wine together. Don't be ridiculous, Count Olaf replied. I took a shower 10 days ago. I'll go put some extra cologne and I'll meet you in the caravan. Did you just hear that? He said he's gonna, he took a shower 10 days ago. Ew. Yes, my aunt o- my Olaf, Olivia called and then turned to a whisper to the turned to whisper to the children as she turned the turban around her hair. We better cut short our conversation, she said. The others will be looking for you. We leave here tomorrow and I'll tell you everything you want to know. Couldn't you just tell us a few things now? Klaus asked. The Baudelaire's had never been closer to the answers that they were seeking. And more than they could stand. No, no, Olivia decided. Here, I'd better help you get back, get your disguises back together or you'll get caught. The three children looked at one another reluctantly. I guess you're right, Violet said. The others, the others will be looking for us. Profico, Sunny said, which means, I guess so, and began, and began to wind the beard around her. Violet and Klaus stepped into the fur-cuffed pants and buttoned the shirt around them while Olivia tied her necklace back together so she could become Madame Lulu once more. Our scars, Klaus remembered, looking at his sister's face. We rubbed them off, and and our hair needs repowdering, Violet said. I have makeup. Um, I have makeup pencil, please, Olivia said, reaching into the trunk, and also powder talcum. You don't have... You don't have to use your accent right now, Violet said, taking the ribbon out of her hair. It's good to practice, please, Olivia replied. I must be thinking of myself as Madame Lulu. Otherwise, I will please be forgetting my disguise. But you'll you'll remember our promises, won't you, Klaus said. Promises, Lulu repeated. You promised that you wouldn't tell, tell Count Olaf that we were here, Violet said, and we promised that we would take you to the Mortman Mountain. Of course, Beverly, Mount 
Madame Lulu replied. I'll be keeping the promises to freaks. I'm not Beverly, Violet said. I'm, and I'm not a freak. Madame Lulu smiled and leaned in to pencil a scar on the eldest Baudelaire's face. But it is time for disguises, please, she said. Don't be forgetting your disguise voice or you'll be recognized. We won't forget our disguises, Klaus said, putting his glasses back in his pocket. And you won't forget our promise, right? Of course, please, Madame Lulu said, leading the children out of her fortune-telling tent. Do not be of the worrying, please. The siblings stepped out of the tent and Madame Lulu, with Madame Lulu and found themselves bathed in the blue light of the famous Henderland sunset. The light made each of them look a bit different as if they were wearing another blue disguise on top of their carnival disguises. The powder of Violet's hair made her disguise... Oh, uh, uh, made her head look pale. Made her head look a pale, strange color. Klaus's fake scars looked darker and more sinister in the shadows, and Sunny looked like a small blue cloud with small sparkles of light where her teeth reflected the light last of the sun and madame lulu looked more like a fortune teller as the sunset glistened on the jewel of her turban and shone on her long robe in an eerie light that looked almost magical good night my freaky ones she said to the baudelaires and looked at this mysterious baudelaires looked at the mysterious woman and wondered if she could change her motto motto and would be a noble person once more i will be keeping of the promise madame lulu said of the but the Baudelaire orphans did not want to know if she was speaking the truth or if she was just telling them what she wanted to hear or what they wanted to hear. Dun, dun, dun. And Peyton is asleep. We've been ditched. We've been sleep ditched.